0: One, two, testing. Okay, if you want to get something to drink or eat, do it real quick. You won't bother me. I will just uh, jump into the next section. I really want to get my wife up here because she has all the knowledge uh, of this. She's so good at this. Um, I want you to be able to hear her. Um, So this second second, uh, sermon is called Continual Conversations. Continual conversations, which when we talk about discipleship, that's what it is. I mean, it's more than that, but that's where I really want you to think differently about your home. Because some of you go, well, we're we're pretty quiet in our home. Our personalities are not like yours and Betsy's. We can spend a whole evening together without saying a word. I would just suggest you probably need to change that and work hard. It may never have the dynamic range that is in our house with our kids. It was a circus and very loud. Um, But it needs to step up a little bit if it's a real quiet, meaning not many conversations going on. It was uh, Francis of Assisi that that said, Preach the gospel at all times when necessary. Use words. Which sounds very monkish. You need to use words, okay? You need to use words. That won't work in your home because the gospel uh, requires an understanding of concepts made of words, which you then have to communicate. Let me remind us of some fundamental truths um, uh, regarding communication. Number one, God's love communicates. God's love communicates. God is not silent. He wants to be known. And and, uh, so he creates a world that continually speaks about him. Uh, Psalm 19, where it says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor there are words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all uh, through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. And so that's the ge- what we call general revelation. It's known by all. It kind of hints at a creator, but doesn't get specific. But when Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden, uh, he sets out to redeem the world, and his communication becomes clearer and clearer and more specific and more specific through Moses, the prophets, and the Old Testament alone is a big book containing God's word to us. But that wasn't enough. He sends a very personal message. Uh, Hebrews one, verse one and two. It says, Long ago, at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these days he has spoken to us by his Son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John one fourteen. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his son. His son is to to speak and to clarify um, things about God that we would not have known. We have a communicating God. God does not stay in his celestial solitude um, on a cloud plucking his harp. Communication is happening. But communication is work. It's hard work, which he was willing to do out of love. So God's love communicates. Number two, God is best known in community. Um, Doesn't mean there's there's not an importance to preaching God's word. There is and always will be. But we need to process God's word in community, in fellowship. God communicates his word perfectly to us, but we are imperfect. So what we will do, we'll ignore parts of scripture, we'll misunderstand God will misdiagnose ourselves with the scripture. We need brothers and sisters to kind of, you know, point some of these out lovingly or bring up, you know, this is what God was showing me through the scriptures, and it's an aha moment for us. God uses that. We each have a spiritual gift to impart for the body, building up of the body, the building up of faith, which strengthens our understanding of God. Ephesians 4. 15 and 16. Listen to this. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. key point is that it takes the whole body when believers do not make the effort to communicate to others in the body, um, we become dwarf like. <laughs> we don't grow to the level that God wants us to grow to. So we have a direct effect, you have a direct effect on the mature level of this community, Doxa Church. If it's not fully expressed, God's truth through you and the spiritual gifts that God has given you, then people can't grow like they would if you would to employ them. Your family, here's where it gets to your family. Your family is a microcosm of the church. You need to do the hard work of continual conversation so that the, the truth of God and the love of God are fully expressed. Because if, if you don't speak, God doesn't get clearly communicated. Some of you, because of your upbringing and personality, perhaps you fatigue faster when you talk to people or you're in social settings. You know, some of us are extroverts and we just get all bubbly and alive when we're together. And some of you, it takes everything just to come to a place like this and interact with people, Right? <laughs> you guys are pointing. <laughs> this is a loving church. And <laughs> you, you just... <laughs> for, the sake, for the sake of uh, forming godliness in your kids, you have to speak. You know, God will give you the strength. Um, I probably am more of a, <laughs> believe it or not, an introvert. By nature, I energize alone. Um, But because of my role, because of who I'm married to, we have, I mean, I have grown a lot in just engaging people and not be so worn out by it, actually. I love it, and I get energized by it. Um, And for the sake of godliness, for the sake of passing the faith along, it should move you. It should move you. Um, that should always move us. You know, when God called me to the ministry, there were times I wanted, I think I said it last night, I wanted to quit and go home. And the one thing that kept me going is that, Lord, if you, even if you want to make me look foolish and it gives you pleasure, I will do it. If it causes me to grow, I will do it, even though I don't want to. That was the reason that I pushed forward and decided, Okay, I'll be a preacher. Some of you are real hesitant to speak and talk and it drains you. But if it glorifies God, would you not do it? If, it? if it passes the faith to your kids, would you not do it? Would you not sacrifice for that? I know you would. That just needs to be in front of us. So God's love communicates. Um, God is best understood in community and thoroughly. Then communicate... To understand the heart. Communicate to understand the heart. The Christian faith is doctrine to be understood, but that's not all it is. It must permeate our minds, our hearts, our thoughts, intentions, and then our actions. If you aren't continually talking to your children, you'll not know what's going on inside their brain. What motivates them is really important. Because when I'm discipling people, it's more than just sitting around a Bible study in life group, right? That's part of discipleship. But you don't know half of what's going on in their life. There needs to be more interaction than just giving the right answers. That will only tell me so much. I want to know how they're processing disappointments in their life. Fears. Successes. I want to know what they long for, dream about. I want to hear how their mind processes failure and sorrow. You should want to learn that in your kids because that will give you the keys to disciple your children. So it's information about God, yes, but how they're using that information to apply it to disappointments and fears and sorrows and successes and all those things and relationships, you want to you wanna be in on that. Because remember, there is such a thing called hypocrisy where the outward things are arranged to make you believe that the faith is real and kids know what's expected so they'll put up their their image in front their facade and their heart may be miles away you need to know that as a parent and the best way to do that is going to be communicating now turn to luke chapter six luke chapter six Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45. It says, For no good tree bears bad fruit. They all look like trees, you know, just like if you know, everyone says they're a Christian, but we have to go deeper than that. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit, which means... It's actions, even even attitudes. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bush. The good person out of the good pleasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, this is key, his mouth speaks. Here we get into communication. We don't know their hearts like God does. God knows the heart, we don't know the heart. But we can peer through a window called communication into their hearts because out of the mouth the heart speaks. So what am I looking for as a parent? Well, I want to I'm looking for wrong thinking about God, wrong assessments of themselves. You know, How they view themselves, that's a big issue through uh, grade school, junior high, into the teen years. It's really important that it lines up with God's word and I'm helping them. Um, What I'm looking for is sinful attitudes that will eventually lead to greater sin. If you deal with only the outside, you know, the actions and not the attitudes, I think you're missing a great part of your parenting. Because the attitudes say that there's something down in there that's going to come out that I haven't really talked about. they're, They're presenting to you, right, something that looks right. in their heart is way far from God. And we don't want to encourage hypocrisy. So you have to talk about attitudes. So, yes, I'm addressing attitudes because God cares about them a great deal. Um... So when I say I address them, it's more than saying, stop that. Stop that attitude. (laughs) That may be part of it, okay? But that's not all of it. I want to dialogue about it. this This is the communication part. And listen to them, process it. I want to learn what's brewing in their heart. So here's some of the questions. Maybe this is kind of like how I would dialogue with my kids. I can tell that you're agitated about something. Okay, This might be later on, right? But even young, even young, do you want to tell me what's going on. You, you, the reason why you want to draw them out with questions, it's the same way with your spouse. You don't want to pronounce and then cause anger and separation. You want to draw them out, let them fully express, because you don't know everything in their heart. You're asking questions. That's the window in. So. I can tell that you're agitated about something. Do you want to tell me what's going on? So you were hurt by what your sister said? Or how she said it? Uh, If you could eliminate the harshness of what she said to you, what do you think she wanted to get across? Is there any truth to that? See, these are dialogues that need to go on. If... Is she right? And then she goes, well, you know, maybe they can't see it. And I said, well, is there anything you can own, or is this 100% her fault? (laughs) Again, you're helping them see their own soul. Um, And maybe I'll say, you've been fairly uh, sensitive when people approach you as of late. Do you have any idea why that is? You know, maybe that gives me a chance to hear that, yeah, school has been really hard. If I've been picked on at school or my friend just left me. and I wouldn't know that unless I asked. And those are contributing factors. And now we're at something else. It's the disappointment. It's the sadness. And how does that relate to God? And, and how is she processing it? I want to know that. That's discipleship. Um... Anyway, it should be our aim then to draw them out by asking questions of all kinds. And learn to be a good question asker, that'll help you in your marriage, and a good listener, that will help you in your marriage. Um, And it'll just help you discern what's going on in the heart. This is especially important during the teenage years when they become more independent and they think they know everything. Um, and they'll see no reason to rope you into their concerns. If you've already had the process of asking questions and being concerned and be a part of their life, they will talk to you if you've made that a normal process in your home. They'll want to come to you because you listen, actually, and not just fix them immediately. <laughs> so it's impo- uh, continual communication. You see how important that is to draw them out A nonverbal home neglects a crucial tool in parenting. Anyway, I'm going to ask my wife to come up because this is—I want to get real practical. We'll see. Can you be closer to you? Can you be closer? I would love that. (laughs) You would distract me though. In a good way. So there's some um, practical. Um, we're going to take these principles and put them down into to practice. There are what was it six? Did We say mm-hmm. we have six things.
1: We'll add to that knowing us. Hey, let's add to it. You can add to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's on. It's on. Just, just I did have it on. I blow it out. Yeah. Remember last night?
0: Oh, All yeah, right, Okay. Okay. Test.
1: There you go. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Mm-hmm. You're serving us all weekend long. Thank Thank you you so much for that. I know you don't want to be noticed, but we're (laughs) thanking God for you right now. (laughs) And there's several other people that contributed to making this a great weekend. So yeah, I know they're out there. Um, Okay, so some principles to guide our communication. Um, Let me just kind of crack open a big can of worms. Number one, manage the media in your home. Now, probably you guys with two or three-year-olds, you may not be seeing this, you know, quite yet. But, however, when I'm at the grocery store, I'm often seeing three-year-olds on phones while mom and dad are grocery shopping. So, I'm not going to say that it doesn't apply to two and three-year-olds anymore because I'm seeing it more and more. Um, what I would say about managing the media, and this is um, everything has changed. Uh, when Luke turned 13, is when he asked for his first phone, and it was a dumb phone. It was not a smartphone. It was a really scary thing that we had to kind of, like, okay. oh, my gosh, how do we manage a dumb phone? We didn't know it was dumb at the time. It was really scary because it gave him access to everybody and texting. And at that point, it was picture texting that we had to be so, you know, careful about. Um, it has, so in 12 years, <laughs> you know, it's become incredible now what you have to manage as a parent. And I'll just say that. Sorry, all the good thing that comes with, de- with technology, this is probably quadrupled The managing that has to go on in your home with media. So, um, but God's put you here at this time for a good reason, and He's going to equip you for that. So, manage the media. Um, In our home, back in the day (laughs) when not everybody had cell phones. Well, even before that, go for it.
0: Before we get into the specifics of management, here's why. Hmm. If you're going to have a home that communicates, you're not as interesting as the iPad. Or the phone so if you get them on those things and games all the time to pacify them you're boring and they will not talk because you've you've trained them at an early age just to <laughs> not talk
1: well and what you're maybe maybe not always remembering or not thinking is that isn't a huge shaping factor in your home you are handing influence over when you put an iPad or a phone in their hands. That doesn't mean you can't ever put a phone or an, an iPad in their hand. You have to just recognize, oh, let me have a babysitter. This is, my, this is who is gonna shepherd and shape my kid. Everything on that phone, everything in that iPad, everything on TV. You know, again, for us, it was more like we had to deal with more TV at the time, movies. Um, and so you know, when I was raising our kids, an hour a day was our max. And it for was what? for TV. They didn't even have phones at that time. <laughs> so, I, um, you know, again, or gaming. We didn't do a lot of gaming because I, um, they wanted why? to watch a show. Why did I do gaming? I'm kind of weird. No no, about
0: no, 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 no. Not just gaming. Just why only an hour?
1: Yeah. Well, because they because they're shaped by that, and I I wanted to control all the shaping. I want to have the greatest influence on my kids. I don't want to hand that off to whatever who I don't know and the and the what what's driven by that. So. Um, yeah. I just think
0: if you're occupying their minds 24-7 to pacify them to make life easier for you, and there are moments where you have to because you need a break, but just be careful because then all the things like be a tour guide of God on the way to things, you've got them on an iPad or you've got them on a phone so they're quiet, well, then you don't get a chance to talk with them. And it j- it'll, it'll train them that
1: the other element is, like John said, that's all a lo- really easy is to be is to be entertained by that, but um, God has given children fantastic imaginations, yeah, yes. and you want to cultivate imagination in your children. Now, guess what? If in, I can't tell you how many times we've done boot camp, we always called it Betsy's boot camp at our house. Betsy's yes, boot camp. When I would be like, "We, we are, uh, we're out of control. Track. We're off, we're off on every level." So <laughs> let's. So we would sit our kids down and be like, "Guess what?" Mommy and Daddy haven't been great at being parents. We gotta change some things. So here's the things that we're gonna get back on. When you challenge us and say no, you're gonna be spanked every single, th- like we would just tell them again, like we're going back to the remember the original rules we started with. Or I'd be like, I've let you on, you guys have been watching three hours of TV every day. I, mm, okay, we gotta go back. Like, <laughs> wouldn't freak out about it, we'd have like a little meeting. Guess what, this is what's gonna happen, because we're gonna go back to what we, what we hoped to be. Why was I saying that? imagination um when you've been you know maybe you're in a bad spell and you got to go boot camp it's they're not going to be like amazingly creating all of a sudden it takes time to get them back using their imagination so you gotta they're gonna fuss they're gonna be mad they're gonna want the ipad but stick them in a room with their legos or their dolls (laughs) and let them go and eventually they're gonna figure out how to use their imagination again so i you just that's a really important part of being a child, is using your brain and, and dreaming and, and creating. So um, they don't need all of that other stuff. So I guess just really be careful of that. All, our culture says, this is how we parent. Stick an iPad in front of them. That's what our culture is doing. But we're not supposed to be like the culture. We're supposed to be really intentional. Now, not to, like, we, did, we made mistakes. We, we gave our kids too much media. Like, so it's not like the, I'm not trying to bang you on the head. It's just more like, like um, light bulb. Um, you don't have to go there, and there's, there's different ways to, to shape kids. And, so. and
0: more than just diminishing I mean, their imagination, which I think it does, um, again, I think it just shuts down communication. You're, you want them to are, be able to articulate what's going on in their heart. You want to have a, hey, look at what God did moments, mm-hmm. and the more they're on that, they're not going to lift up and see it. They're like, what? Let's get back.
1: Well, and even we have to do that even now with adult kids. We've got a couple of adult kids that live at home still. And the four of us can be in a living room and all on a device and not be talking. And so, I mean, we were, we're continually saying, what in the world? You're, you're all home from work. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. How is work? <laughs> Why are we all looking at our phones right now? So we're still so working on that. John and I can do that in, in the same room. But it, it really does take away from the atmosphere of being together right. and we're supposed to be talking, you know. Or we can read and sit in the same room. We don't always have to be talking, yeah. right? But, um, okay, so manage the media, kind of in a, a big one. Um, and we talked about this one a little bit, you touched on this, be a tour guide of God's Number world. Number two, be a tour guide of God's world. I don't know if that's like um, making sense to you when John talks about um, that you're always pointing out God in every opportunity that you can get. Um, you could talk about God when you see a police car go by and that God that's actually God's idea to put people who keep us safe to help us run our country better. Like you, you can you can really like talk about authority and how God's brought authority into our life to to help run a, run a you know a country. I don't know, I'm not maybe not making the, the connection there, but there's something out every window. There's stuff in your home. You can talk about where an egg comes from when you when you make breakfast. You can talk about um, where lettuce comes from and how God gave Adam and Eve a garden to, to cultivate. And we don't have to do that now. It's all the grocery store. But like, there's, you can, we've got it into every conversation. you just got to be creative. And, and there'll be times where I'll be like, okay, I'm in this place. How can I talk about God right now? How can and sometimes you're just like, come on, help me, help me, help me. But you can do it. And so it's just part of the conversation. Um, what were you going to add to that? I can tell you're going to add to it. Why? why? Why would we? You need? answer that. He's asking me the question. See, we do this when I don't even know. It. Why do we do that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> even at the basic, young child level, I want to, them to see that all things relate to him. We don't do God over here and then we live our life. God is a part of their entire world. Yeah,
1: awesome. Maybe you should do the next one, and no. I can I can ask the why.
0: Oh, great!
1: <laughs> well, um,
0: number three is ask about a lesson that they learned at church mm-hmm. or the message. Um, you know, our church, they have little take-homes for the parents and just to use it um, or ask, you know, they, or if they colored something, <laughs> usually it comes along with a coloring thing. Uh, and you just ask them about what you see in that picture. Sometimes they need to be your interpreter anyway, <laughs> um, or. If there's a cross, or you know, sometimes it's. I big.
1: used to ask our kids all the time, "Would you know? What did you learn about? Did you learn about Jesus?" Like double checking to make sure my, my Sunday school teachers were actually talking about Jesus. <laughs> Not really, of course they were, but I'm like, "What did you What did you learn about Jesus?" So you're, and then, and then I could always yeah. further, if I need, if I was hoping that they didn't, maybe they didn't make the connection. I could further on and just kind of add in some more about Jesus and and how kind he is, and when he treats you know people kindly. I, can, I I mean, I made a lesson out of every possible thing for our kids, but um, yeah, wherever Before, they're getting input, you want to t- see if you can attach it to real life.
0: I think, too, it, it sets up throughout the, your kid's life, into their teenage years, that we go to church to hear God's word. It's really important, so what did you walk away with? Let's talk about that. How, how are you seeing that? Again, I'm trying to draw out their heart in all of these things and mm-hmm. want to know their interest level. Because you, at 18, and they leave home, uh, you just see parents get shocked when their kids go off the deep end when they go to college. You shouldn't be shocked. You ought to know what's going on in their hearts. And if you ask good questions, you're always at asking to figure out the interest level. Of, you'll know where they are when they go to college.
1: You'll know. I mean, we could even say that for the most part, from with all five of our kids, the one that we knew was probably going to struggle struggled the entire time and into <laughs> her teenage <laughs> years, and we never were certain. Like, but but we were not surprised. We were not surprised because of how she challenged us. Is this she? Well, there's four of them, so they can <laughs> they can try to fit. And you know, she would probably share her. It is her story to share, but um, yeah. we could. Because we worked really hard to try to know where our kids were at, we could predict that. We almost saw the pattern. Actually, we caused great fear in our heart because she resisted authority as a one and a half year old, <laughs> like in a full on, you know, reject. So that was scary because we felt like, oh boy, if God doesn't get her heart locked down, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a, a big journey. And it was a big journey, it was a hard journey. But you probably know even right now, if you just took a, a little bit of time to pray and think about where your kid is at, what you're seeing as, as good trajectory and as bad trajectory. And I think just even a challenge to you as parents is to be a, stu- a student, you've talked about this, of your, of your spouse, but also of your ch- child. What are your kid's strengths and weaknesses already? Take some time to think about, okay, he's super extroverted. He's really great with, ki- with other kids. He's always finding the, the sad kid and being a really good, great. You know what, um, Beckham? You are so great at finding the kid that's by himself. That is so Christ-like. That is so what Jesus would do. I love that about you. Love that about you. Um, and then on another day, you're like Beckham, and of course, I don't know Beckham, so I'm making this up. But um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but you're able to say, you know, when you treated your you know your brother like that, Jesus would was so sad because he wants you to act like this. There's just there's ways to kind of weave all of that in. I'm kind of getting off, but. Um, what were we saying? I forgot what we were saying. Mm. I got I got distracted. <laughs> Let's go to number four. <laughs> go to number four.
0: <laughs> so number four is listen to understand first before you fix. Okay, at two years old, no. maybe you don't have to do that.
1: We don't really that's not what we would encourage it to. We, no,
0: yeah. <laughs> but when you get to four, five, six, seven, you know, when they get to where they can interact. Um Listen first, especially in the teenage mm-hmm. years. It's probably more important than the teenage years. Um, Proverbs 18:13. If if one gives an answer before he hears, mm-hmm. it's folly and shame. Um, so again, we are talking about in that setting, you're a little older. Because, let me just say this, at the early ages, drawn out conversations, like zero to three, are not helpful mm-hmm.
1: two to, five. to
0: know yeah, what two they're five. thinking and why you know now you're going to do this and there's consequences if you don't you're you're setting down actually let me give you a yeah, little this is a good, is a good yeah. place for this there's like three stages i was told this in our, uh, our actually. prep for parenting class that we <laughs> took before <laughs> luke came along he was years our first. Ago. <laughs> and it was so helpful to frame this so zero to five are the years of discipline and then 6 to about 12, instruction. Because once, once they've been disciplined and they, they will listen to you, you can actually instruct them. And you don't have to be chasing them around the room to get back here and listen to me. <laughs> oh, actually, they hear your voice and they'll respond and you can actually build upon it. When you get to 13, you're coaching. And here's the problem with parenting. People want to make it Exactly the opposite. They want to be their friend and coach at zero to five. And then when they get to six, seven, and eight, they're seeing where the trajectory is going. And when they get to the teenage years, they want to bring discipline and clamp down. That is the wrong time to do it. That's when you're letting go. So you're saying, yeah, we just lied. They're so cute when they do that. Listen, (laughs) cuteness at four is cute, but at 14, it becomes uncontrollable. You will have nothing you can do if you're not getting on it at zero to five when they're absolutely cute and puppies and kitties. Okay, That's when the discipline and telling them how they're going to obey needs to happen. That was for free. Well, listen,
1: you're talking about listen to understand first. We don't do that from zero to five. We're still talking to them. Luke, what happened? What did you do? Uh, She... Right, They always accuse, well, she took my truck. Um, We play out the whole thing, and we always say, you know, what did you do wrong? Um, How did we, like, what was the system? I'm forgetting it all of a sudden. Sorry, tell me. (laughs) What did you do? Um, Oh, my word, this is terrible. I did this for 15 years. What
0: did you do? What does God's word say about that?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: And we used to have verses, you know, that, like, one or two that were always in the back pocket.
1: Um, and then, like, what what's what your part? Or what does Jesus think about it? I always ask that. And then we would say, what happens when you disobey mommy or daddy? We always came back to that. What does God's word say? What did Jesus tell me to do as a parent when you disobey me as a parent? And so I would always bring God's word into it. I'm not doing this just because I want to. I'm doing it because God told me to. So from zero to five, it's just that you've got disobedience constantly. <laughs> you've got kids that are not obeying and your work is to make is to get them to obey to come under your authority Because so if they
0: don't if they don't fear your authority they will not fear God's authority they will not obey God. you are helping them see that there's someone else in the world other than themselves yes. and you it's a lot of people like I don't like that authority I don't want that responsibility I don't you're a parent and it's not about you. It's about God. You are helping them see that they're oriented to God and they must come under God by coming under you. Mm. And if you want to let that go, it's going to be disastrous.
1: Yeah. What happened over there? What am I missing? I got, I got, wow. What is going on? You're listening, but this table behind you is like shenanigans. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your ta- What happened? So the zero to five table. Yes, it is the zero-to-five <laughs> What did you do wrong, Ben? (laughs) She did it. (laughs) He did it. (laughs) This is a perfect example. Thank you. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you for being a perfect example of of conflict with with your zero to five-year-olds. That's hilarious. He did it. I didn't do it. He did it. Isn't that how it goes? That's how we we see that all the time. So,
0: let me just uh, finish number four. Some of you are really you talk, you're talkers, but you're terrible communicators because you don't listen. And I would just say, if you're a good, if you're a communicator, just remember, communication with your kids are is a lot of questions. You want to become a asking the question to draw them out um, because you'll hear it and. Hopefully you can see when your kid begins to turn you off. The volume goes down, they just turned you off because you talked too long. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm talking and they do that, I stop. I get their attention, then I start talking again. But uh, but mostly you wanna, you wanna ask them questions because that's what's gonna mm-hmm. help you. Mm-hmm.
1: Along with um, the zero to five thing, one thing that John and I did um, was, and again, it kinda sounds Kind of harsh, but we didn't give kids, our zero to five-year-olds, options or choices. Because that is an opportunity for them to challenge you immediately. What are you gonna wear today, Susie? Why don't you pick out the outfit? 10 minutes goes by, we gotta get to work, we gotta get to church, and she's still working on the outfit. And I'm like, okay, actually, I think I want you to wear this. And she's like, no, I wanna wear this. And then I wanna wear this and this, and then you have a 30-minute full-blown all-out war with your four-year-old, because you gave her an option, which we probably could have just fixed by saying, can't wait for you to look cute in that polka-dotted pink thing today, put it on. So um, we're just, we were really hesitant. Some of that came with the fact that I also have five kids, and I didn't, here's breakfast, you don't get options. It's oatmeal for everybody today, because I'm not a short order cook. I'm not, and I don't have time for that. So just know that if you give an option, when they go to your friend's house to spend the night, because you want an overnight with your husband, they're gonna want options from your friend. Do you really want your friend to have to give them only what they want? That's a disaster. Or when they go to school and they're used to getting everything that they want and the teacher can't give 30 kids what they want. Like, you, you just got to play that out. The world doesn't revolve around your 2-year-old. And the sooner that 2-year-old knows that, the better everybody's going to operate. So choices, how they wear, they, you know, clothes options, eating options, um, just, you know, heads up about that. It could create a war you don't really want to have to get into. What are you gonna say? It's
0: setting up authority. Setting up how they come under authority. And when they're really young, it's a pretty simple world. It's eating, (laughs) sleeping, and putting on clothes and playing. You know, so as cute as that arena might be, there are ways that you can help the two-year-old learn how to respond to authority, come under authority. Because when they get then, it just gets more sophisticated when it gets to be 8 years old up to 13 years old if you haven't trained them early on to be told and come under your authority. Establish that, that early. Even if it's cute that they're picking out their outfits or you know they like waffles rather than pancakes, it's cute, it's just going somewhere. And parents don't realize the trajectory of everything. And then they get to 15 years old and they're like, this is scary. Start early when it's cute and it's it looks benign and help them learn how to come under
1: you. And, again, and be okay with it. Happy, yep. happy say obedience. That. Happy heart. <laughs> happy heart. We said that so many times. Um, and it might be like, you might be like, man, I'm at, my four-year-old's out of control. She's running the house. She only will, t-, you know, like, well, good. Have a little conversation with her and say, guess what? Mommy and Daddy are gonna change some things. Don't do it in the moment. Like, have the, have the normal moment. She can get dressed, she can eat. But maybe be like, tomorrow, we're, all, we're only having oatmeal from now on. And you're always gonna wear what Mommy says. And then when the moment happens, it'll probably be a big battle, but you'll train it. For about two weeks. And then and you'll get to the other it. side of it, yeah. So, um, again, it seems harder at two or three or four, but it, it does only get worse, so it's actually easier. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> Number five, don't get pulled into foolish arguments. And that kind of can happen with a four-year-old. And a five-year-old, it can also happen with a teenager. So, um,
0: What I mean by foolish arguments, too, what we mean is that it's a silly conversation about a, a technicality. <laughs> and your kids, again, at I'm two so or three sorry. or four or five, they're not subtle. It's when they get older and they kind of can push you between rules. You're not going to get into those conversations. You just refuse. Calm yourself and realize the cul-de-sac that you're in and get out. (laughs) Don't enter.
1: Um, Number six is verbally bless your kids. I love that one. And help them do the same. So really work on... um, You're doing that
0: with Beckham. Now, I, w- I was? You're a great kid. When yes. You see that, right. When I said that. That's verbally blessed. Yeah.
1: Verbally blessed. Not not this, you look so cute. I love your outfit. Your hair is so cute. Um, look for character qualities in your kids that are commendable. Mm-hmm. And they might be, <laughs> it might just be a little, a little something. <laughs> You're like, it's a miracle. A little, I found something. A I little
0: sliver. <laughs> of hope. It's a great
1: day. <laughs> You, you know, thank you. Oh my, thank you. Didn't throw a fit when mommy put that in front of you. That is awesome. You're showing so much self control. <laughs> Jesus would be so is so proud when you show self control like that. Just they're there, um, but try to just bless your kids. And again, it's not for it's not necessarily for um, outward. Although look, it's going to start yeah, with outward, no more, but you're gonna you're gonna point eventually to that. That's a heart attitude that Jesus loves in you. Um, so we're big fans of verbally blessing your kids. You, know, you, you see that in um, the Old Testament where, where dads would pass on a blessing, of favor. And that's a cool thing, to pass on favor and blessing and affirm. Um, I think as parents, it's really easy for us to be like, eh, this and this and this and this and fix and fix and fix. There's always something wrong. And who, who of us <laughs> can appreciate once in a while that, you know what, you're doing awesome, love that about you. That's, that just makes people stand taller, when you can give a, a blessing. So look for ways to bless your kids um, verbally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then help them do the same with their siblings, you know, that you can you can help create that culture when you see something kind that your sister does. You know, let's wasn't that awesome that she made your bed for you this morning? That is so cool. Let's go down and tell her how much that was such a blessing to you. Little ways like that. Um, let's see. I'm looking at a couple of things here. Um, I already said that, oh yeah, birthdays. So one of the ways that we love to bless our kids um, is around the table, and this is hilarious because now there's 10 of them with married people. Um, but every birthday, it's getting a little overwhelming, honestly, every birthday, we started when they were little, um, went to the dollar store, and everybody would pick out a present for the ba- for the kid, for the birthday person, even if it was mom and dad.
0: So they bought, they bought for their siblings. They I paid for important. it themselves,
1: a dollar, <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Um,
0: They get excited about giving it, too.
1: And they would wrap it, and then we'd give it. And then at the table, we would go around and say what we love about the birthday person. And it was hilarious. Back in the early days, you know, the girl, I love it, Luke, when you wrestle me and you let me win. You know, like, it's kind of funny, and like cute things at that time. Or I love, you know, I love when he gives me candy. (laughs) You know, it's kind of silly. But you sit around the table now, it's like, it'll bring us to tears Mm. listening to our kids say what they love about it's
0: I thank God because of this I see in your life yeah it's like whoa
1: wow it's crazy so start early teaching your kids to love the birthday person and just say blessing them yeah
0: because affirmation is something that we don't usually give it's it's awkward let's affirm one another (laughs) (laughs) so and and with guys I mean we're we don't do that often so if you start but it's important If you start early um So at birthdays, it was just kind of like priming the pump, (laughs) if you
1: will. And I think parenting, again, is so much correction, because we're trying to get them on the right right track. (laughs) And so we're always fixing, fixing, fixing. So any opportunity you can have, had to have fun and enjoy. I mean, again, we're trying to, we've probably got like 10 messages combined into two. So we're sort of like, you know, kind of coming in and out of things. Um, Yeah, which reminds me, what time is it, first of all? Oh, perfect, 11.15. I'll just say this. A couple of years ago, John and I were such big believers in communication with our family, with our children, and I I really take that from, I I love Deuteronomy 6, when he does say you're supposed to teach them diligently, talk of them. There's the word talk. You got to talk. When you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're sleeping, and when you rise. That's like nonstop. So... You talk in your sleep? (laughs) No. I don't talk in my sleep. But right when I get up, sometimes I shouldn't. I need to be quieter. But um, it's the idea is all the time that we're talking. There's always a teachable moment for your kids, always. And so John and I um, put something together called um, 20 Conversations to Have with Your Kids. Um, we actually haven't finished it. It's almost done. But what I did do was during COVID, um, we needed to find a way to bless our church. And so we actually did. We created an Instagram called Parenting Conversations. So if you ever want to go to that, their little 20-minute, we've got 20 conversations that you want to have with your kids. I think we made it through six on the Instagram. We didn't get very far. We didn't, but we were working really hard. And we've (laughs) got it all on paper. Someday we'll get it out. But um, we wanted to point that to you as a resource. You'll probably hear a lot of things you already heard heard from us this morning. But um, parenting conversations on Instagram. And you can, you know, when you have a quiet moment, (laughs) put on and listen to a couple of those. Okay, let's break and stretch and then do a Q&A. Okay, so stand up, get some water, use the restroom, and come back in about five minutes.